the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, and hour number two is underway. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, yeah, this it's a, it's a Wednesday, by the way, the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And as I said at the start of the first hour, uh, I want to wish a very special happy birthday to a young man. And I can literally call him a young man now as my son Jarrett turns 18 years old today. One of the three happiest days of my life. The day I married my wife, the day my daughter was born, the day my son was born. They are the three happiest days of my life. Happy birthday to Jarrett France. Uh, now, I want to dive into where we are. Yesterday was the second day of the two-day monthly Board of Education meeting down in Columbus. They met on Monday. They met yesterday. They finally got, or at least they were supposed to get, to Resolution 24 to request a formal opinion from the Attorney General in the state of Ohio about the Board of Education's resolution to condemn racism racism, and advance equity and opportunity as they see it and describe it. Uh, In other words, promote critical race theory in schools. Well, how did things go? I received this post from congressional candidate Jonah Schultz. Now, he posted this on his Facebook page, but he sent it to me personally so that I knew what was going on. I'm going to let you hear this before we address all of it. We are here at the Ohio Department of Education trying to testify against critical race theory in our schools here in the great state of Ohio. Here are a bunch of great patriots who have been denied entry into the event and uh, weren't allowed to give testimony because their testimonies did not fit the narrative of what they wanted to hear here today. Uh, They also weren't allowed to use the restrooms, and anybody who wanted to watch this event 
was place an overflow room where they had a capacity of eight people to watch the uh, the, the board meeting on a on a computer screen. This is what our taxpayer funding is going towards. This is the type of access we have to our process here in the United States of America, in Ohio. It's a disgrace. It's un-American, and we need to fight like hell against it. I concur with Jonah Schultz. It is a disgrace. It is un-American, and we do need to fight like hell. We have a couple of fighters I know who are on the school board who join us now who are on the phone line. Uh, John Hagan, who wrote the resolution uh, uh, that we were just discussing, Resolution 24, he came on the air on Monday to tell us all about it, back with us now to talk about the way things went down. John, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing this morning, Bob? Good, sir. Thank you very much. You are joined now on the line by your colleague on the board, Kirsten Hill. Kirsten Hill, uh, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm fine. I sit right next to John because his name begins with H-A and I'm H-I. So <laughs> we have a good time down there. Well, that's perfect. We've got a tag team here, and uh, we need all of your support that we can get, and we need more people to support you guys. Now, uh, first, uh, Kirsten, why don't I start with you? Um, what Jonah just described on that video was troubling to me. Uh, they denied patriots who wanted to come in and testify against, you know, again, I know that Laura Kohler, the president of the board, did not allow the words critical race theory to be used. But to uh, he wanted you know people wanted to come in and protest against this resolution to condemn racism and advance equity by essentially expressing racism toward white kids in in, uh, in Ohio schools. Um, what is your response to what the board did yesterday with respect to shutting people out? Well, Jonah, Jonah's pretty accurate there. Um, we walked, uh, you know, we were approaching the building. There were several people outside, um, you know, members of the public who wanted to get in and. And a few recognized me and were, were uh, glad that we were there. Um, but then it was evident in the lobby that people were being sorted out. And they were, only, they were limiting the number of the public that could come into the room and then putting others. And then people came to testify and were not permitted to testify. Uh, uh, so, is that a standard? Other, I mean, help, help me out, Kirsten. Is that standard yeah. operating procedure that you know the board president decides at the moment who, the, whether or not we're going to allow public testimony, or uh, how how unusual is what happened? Well, it's um, it's it's bubbling. It's getting um, it's it's getting more notice because people are actually physically coming now to the meetings because mm-hmm. they're, we're meeting in person again. Um, when our meetings were online and even prior to the meetings, people are sending testimony and requesting to testify, but they're denied via email. So they're discouraged um, about coming if the content of their testimony um, doesn't suit the powers to be. I, I do need to point out one of the people who uh, was able to testify, who I guess passed muster, um, even was um, questioned during the testimony, wait a minute, the testimony that you just gave us verbally is different than what you wrote to us. Well, in fact, the, that person said, well, the only way I can get here to speak is I have to say, <laughs> say one thing in my written testimony to get access to come to the meeting. Now, so is that's this, what's is this, going on. Is this blockade that is being put up from testimony from the public that they don't like unilaterally from the president of the board? Oh, yes. Yeah, pretty so much. Laura, yeah, Laura yeah. Kohler holds all power to decide who can testify and who can't. You guys don't even have a vote as a board. No, no, we, we um, have not uh, had a vote on that. We, uh, uh, Dr. Kilgore, during new business, it's customary that 
we would, if we have a member resolution to make a change or to propose something, we announce it in advance. So she did um, announce yesterday that she will be bringing forth a resolution at our next meeting, which is the second Monday and Tuesday in September, mm-hmm. to on this issue about having the public um, speak uh, regardless of the topic that okay. um, that the president wants to limit. So, so we are, you know, trying to make moves to get this changed. John Hagan, um, what is your what is your take on the board president denying public speakers who are showing up in person the opportunity to testify on something that impacts all of our school children and thus all of our communities? Well, I like other uh, people who value freedom. I uh, want to hear all people's thoughts on things, even the ones I don't enjoy. Uh, so it is very irritating to me to see this type of policy be in place. Uh, I rail against it on a regular basis. I have called out the president of the board on many occasions that this is absolutely wrong and that choosing what narrative you want to be presented in public testimony is absolutely unfair and un-American. Uh, I would concur with that. By the way, John Hagan, I don't know if it's just my old ears going or not, but you sound a little fuzzy. Are you on speaker by chance? Not anymore. Oh, thank you very much. I didn't know if it was me or if anybody else. Okay, thank you. That sounds much more clear. All right, so let's okay. continue. Let's continue now. So your resolution uh, was not heard yesterday. Well, you did not have discussion on it because you and I spoke last night, uh, and there was a version of your resolution that was that was discussed. Can you tell us more uh, about what what they changed? I, I was only able to introduce the resolution and state the reason for why we needed to do it. Uh, at that point, another member uh, proceeded to uh, provide a, an amendment uh, by replacement, which took out a lot of the meat of my resolution. Uh, the, the things that were in my resolution were background materials, uh, the discussion about what we just talked about, the stifling of public comment, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, just the all the wrongs that are in that resolution, uh, which interestingly another member uh, said were uh, untruths. Uh, they are truths. Uh, they they're very evident truths. Uh, did, did, did the other member by chance offer any evidence of the untruthfulness uh, of your of resolution? Course not. Of no, course not. Of course not. That, that's one thing you have to understand with liberals. Uh, you don't have to have any backup for what you say uh, or what you believe. And, of course, everything as far as insults, et cetera, is excused uh, for liberals as opposed to conservatives. Any word that comes out of our mouth is offensive. Uh, Kirsten Hill, uh, I, just heard you, I, I just heard Kirsten's voice there. I think she wanted to chime in on this part. Go ahead, Kirsten. Yeah, so uh, Member Johnson... Uh, claims that the reason uh, the item in John's resolution yesterday, not to be confused with the, the uh, his resolution, dealt with um, trying to que- uh, have uh, Attorney General Yost uh, tell us if the Kohler resolution from last summer is legal. But right. the item resolution in, twenty, yes, yeah, correct. Got so uh, Member Johnson pointed to this clause in John's. Uh, resolution is saying it was false. And, and I'm going to read it to you. It's, it's just like a few words. 
Go ahead. Whereas the board president allows verbal presentations in support of the resolution, Resolution 20, and denies verbal uh, presentations in opposition to the resolution. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And she uh, was claiming that false. The president has been denying verbal presentations um, that oppose her resolution from last summer. Well, I mean, but, aren't aren't all of so. your aren't all of your board meetings every month? Are they not recorded? Yes, they're all recorded. Yes. I know they're airing on the Ohio Channel and so forth. I would imagine it's pretty easy to prove whether or not she allowed uh, opposition presentations to be made. Uh, if there was not allowed opposition testimony, it, and if there was, I rather, if she was allowing it, uh, then Member Johnson ought to be able to just go to the videotape and say, "Here it is. Look, look at all of the opposition testimony that President Kohler allowed." Uh, if she can't do that, then well, I think uh, I think Attorney General Joyce should know, or uh, uh, Attorney General Yost should know that, right? Yeah, I also have to add in, Bob, that uh, it's it's somewhat hidden from the public because there's interaction between our board liaison and people who want to testify that is through email, et cetera, that, that will never see the light of day without a public records request. So you you have no idea, and we actually have no idea, other than people that notify us that they tried to get in, of the people that are being turned away uh, at that level. That's uh, that's troubling uh, as well. We, we're talking. If you just turned us on uh, to John Hagen, Ohio Board of uh, uh, Board of Education member, as well as member Kirsten Hill, and we're talking about yesterday. There was supposed to be testimony as well as discussion of Resolution Twenty Four introduced by John Hagen. The meat of that, by the way, is this quote. Uh, the proposed priorities are a thinly veiled attempt at bringing into our state's classrooms the deeply flawed and controversial teachings of critical race theory and the 1619 Project. CRT is an ideological construct that analyzes and interprets American history and government primar- primarily through the narrow prism of race. Similarly, the 1619 Project seeks to reframe the country's history. As such, it distorts rather than illuminates a proper and accurate understanding of our nation's history and governmental institutions, and therefore is fundamentally at odds with federal and state law. Um, John, you told me last night that you weren't even allowed to say those words that were included in your uh, in your resolution, that critical race theory, the words critical race theory were banned, but was that also unilateral by Laura Kohler? Well, that is, that is Laura's mandate, and uh, that being said, uh, it's pretty hard for her to stop duly elected members from speaking the truth. Uh, she does cut off conversation, but she can't stop the words from coming out of our mouths, and they did yesterday from several of our members. Wow! Uh, now that in public testimony for the for the person from the public to say that, uh, they're going to shut them down and and shut the mic off. Uh, and yet, and yet, we're to believe we're to believe Member Johnson, who said that uh, President Kohler allowed all kinds of opposition testimony back when we were talking about Resolution Twenty. Here's evidence of the fact that they won't allow testimony that doesn't go along with their narrative, including even vocabulary, including uh, words like critical race theory and sixteen nineteen project. Um, I want to get a response. I want I want to get a response from sure. Kirsten Hill on this too, but I do need to take a time out, folks. So it's a quick time out here. We'll come right back and get a few more thoughts on where we go from here as it pertains to keeping this divisive, racist uh, curricula out of um, Ohio schools. We'll be right back.
Okay, 1025 now. I've got just five minutes left with uh, Kirsten Hill and John Hagan. Both are members of the Ohio State Board of Education. Both were present yesterday for the uh, uh, second day of the meetings for the month of July. Uh, Kirsten, I wanted to give you a chance to respond to what John and I were just talking about. The words critical race theory and 1619 project aren't even allowed to be uttered. This is pretty strong evidence that she is not allowing opposition testimony, right? Absolutely. It's, it's kind of funny. I, I feel like we're, um, you know, in a bubble there uh, because the whole state, the whole country is speaking this word, right? And the local board meetings are, are getting flooded with uh, local parents and community members. So, so the, the word's out. People can feel it, whether you say the word or not. And, and there's a lot of terminology. Um, equity is, is a big word. And yeah. I, uh, I, I, I urge people to really listen closely to some of these key words, you know, culturally responsive, equity, student-centered. There's just a whole flood of them, and um, and we're still, you know, trying to connect the dots because the uh, that word, equity, comes up when I do a search on the Ohio Department of Education website um, more than 1,500 times. So it's really embedded, baked in. Um, it's been going on for a while, and, and uh, people are, you know, waking up. The, the biggest thing yeah. that people can do is run for, for their local school board, and August 4th is the deadline for the petition. No question so about that. Yeah, we've been, yeah. We've been really yeah. heavy on pushing that, and we're going to continue to as well, to tell people they've got to take back their local boards. But real quick, one more thought on your board, the state board. I, I asked John this before, Kirsten. Isn't Laura Kohler a Republican? Wasn't she appointed by John Kasich? And, and I'm not saying that every Republican has to be completely you know, uh, in lockstep with every other Republican, but generally speaking, Opposing racism is a Republican principle. Supporting the con, and, and CRT is racist. CRT is just racist to its core, and it teaches, uh, young children that, you know, America is irredeemably racist, and that it's founded on, on racist principles and founded on slavery. I, it's just the kind of thing she's, I, I don't know anything about Laura Kohler except that she sounds to me like a far left Democrat, not a Republican appointee of Kasich. Yes, um, in fact, I believe she's a native of Canada, and um, part of what you have going on here is, uh, let's say, um, progressive. Uh, um, I, I don't, I don't get the party affiliation. How she can be affiliated with the Republicans because everything's, you know, pretty much uh, aligned, along with you know several others on the board with the, with you know, with the liberal side. Yeah. But they, they are allies. It's what's known as an ally. A L L Y, and right. you'll you'll hear that uh, term too. So so you have people who aren't black who are trying to be allies of black indigenous people and people of color. Yeah, the virtue um, signalers, the virtue signalers who yeah. think that those people cannot uh, uh, take care of themselves and they need special protections by by government. It's again the bigotry of low expectations. Uh, John Hagen, last yes. thought goes to you. Um, I think I heard you say, or one of you said, the next meeting isn't until September. I don't know. We skip over August. That stinks. Um, especially because school is going to be started by the time you guys meet again. But where do we go from here as it pertains to the resolution and this uh, curriculum potentially being taught to our kids starting in September? Well, I think the first thing we're going to do is make sure that uh, the Attorney General has the text of the resolution that we submitted. Mm -hmm. uh, Because there's a lot of background information that's very important. A couple points I want to make. You uh, read a section of that uh, resolution 
Right. The specific section that you read was a direct quote from the letter from 20 state attorney generals to the Federal Department of Education in reference to some of the uh, Biden push for CRT, et cetera, uh, and grant money coming down the pike being illegal by state law and federal law. Uh, so that that is, you know, our, our attorney general signed that letter. So it is very relevant that he understand that that is pointing directly to what we're dealing with, and he's against it. Uh, so I, I hope that that is helpful to him to get his, his mind in the right uh, realm in dealing with this issue in addressing the illegality of what's going on. Uh, and, it, any idea on timing, it. John Hagan? Any idea on when you might get? First, you want to make sure that he gets this uh, because C- President Kohler did not send your uh, text uh, uh, to him of this resolution or of that letter sent uh, and signed by the twenty, uh, including uh, uh, including uh, AG Yost. Uh, but but he didn't get that stuff. So assuming he gets it in short order, any idea on when you might expect uh, an answer from him with a legal opinion on the uh, on the? Uh, uh, well, well interesting. Interestingly, uh, the president of our board played into our hands to a certain extent by trying to preempt my resolution by sending a letter to the attorney general a week ago. Uh, So now he will be getting essentially a duplicate of that with the fact that it was signed on to by a majority of the board. Uh, So I would hope that it would be a, a priority for him and that they would move fairly quickly, but of course, we have no control over that. Uh, right. But uh, I, I will certainly encourage that to be uh, moved as quickly as possible. John Hagan, a uh, uh, member of the Ohio State Board of Education, Kirsten Hill, thank you both very much. I've got to get out here to the bottom of the hour in news, but I appreciate both of your work in Columbus and both of you coming on, and we'll obviously stay in close, to, uh, close touch with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right, 1032 will come out and come back with Bernie Moreno. Senate candidate. Big, huge primary fight. He's in the middle of it. We'll talk to him next. AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. We continue now at 1036. I told you we were packed up today. Thank you again to uh, John Hagan and Kirsten Hill from the Ohio State Board of Education. Very important work uh, that they are doing in the first hour of the broadcast. We talked about the soul and thin blue line with Ralph Spitaleri of Blue Line Unlimited. If you missed either one of those interviews, make sure you log on to whkradio.com and listen to them via our podcast. You can download it and listen to it anytime, pretty much anywhere. All right, I want to continue now and get back into the Ohio Senate race. I told you um, in the first hour, uh, J.D. Vance uh, has had a bit of a rough go. He's being uh, ordered, I'm sorry, not ordered, he is being requested by way of a cease and desist letter to stop using with his uh, PAC, his political action committee, branding that may confuse Ohio voters as to who the Ohio Value Voters Organization has endorsed. He's also been accused of lying to me about uh, his support for, or his comments rather, about Donald Trump supporters. So we've talked to J.D. Vance. I've invited him to come back.
come back on to clarify some of that. Uh, we've had Josh Mandel on. We've had Jane Timken on. We've had Mike Gibbons on. We have not yet had Bernie Moreno on. And Bernie Moreno is uh, on the line right now to change all of that and find out where he fits into this very crowded uh, Republican primary to replace Rob Portman. Bernie Moreno, good to have you on our program. How are you this morning? Hey, Bob, thank you so much for having me. And, and uh, let me just start by saying thank you for covering Cuba so much over the last two days. I wish that uh, our elected officials in D.C. who have something to say about this topic had been doing as much coverage as you because what's going on down there is uh, something that should inspire all of us here in America. Well, thank you for saying that, and I completely agree. It's just um, it's it's mind-boggling to me to to know that American leftists are spitting on our flag for all intents and purposes, while people who are suffering real oppression are waving the American flag, saying we wish we had the freedoms and liberties that you have there. Um, uh, I, I stand in solidarity with the Cuban people. I stand in solidarity with anybody who is fighting for freedom, and it blows my mind that the American left doesn't see that. Is that why you're running for Senate? Because we got to make sure that the American left, uh, Bernie, is you know is is very short term in terms of their power. Uh, you know, two years will be enough. Come twenty twenty two, we need to take back the Senate. Is is that one of the reasons why you're running? It's the it's the reason I'm running. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough uh, that my mom brought me here when I was a kid to to America from Colombia, South America. Uh, the country is surrounded by socialists. In fact, Che Guevara. And Fidel Castro made uh, lots of trips to Colombia to try to flip it into a socialist country. And they have a playbook. And what I'm seeing in America is that playbook being executed exactly the way I saw it happen in Venezuela, the way it happened in Cuba. And you see the results, right? I've, I've been after Tim Ryan since this protest started this weekend. That guy has a comment about everything. He hasn't said one word about Cuba. Wow. These are people 90 miles off the coast of America who are literally using our flag as a symbol for freedom. And yet what our kids are being taught in school is that our flag is a symbol of oppression. I, I promise you, Bob, in 50 years that I've been in this country, I never thought that I would be having this conversation where Cubans on the street of Havana understand what America means more than uh, elected officials in Washington, D.C. It's very, very sad. Yeah, you and me both. I never thought I'd, I'd see the day when uh, when somebody would be able to say that. Uh, a lot of times I start off my candidate interviews, Bernie Moreno, by asking how the campaign's going. But I already know, because you guys issued a statement in the first quarter of your official candidacy, you raised $2.25 million without any uh, money being accepted from corporate PACs or any personal investment. And that's more than anybody else can say in this uh, in this race, again, without their own personal investment. Uh, so tell me what that means. Where's your support? coming from so uh what i'm doing is i've what I've, I've done my whole life which is work harder than everybody else uh you know the grind as we call it in the, in the uh, sales business uh connecting with donors you know what i didn't want to do bob is i didn't want to buy the seat i find that as a person objectionable i didn't want to be somebody who because i've had success just wrote a check and said i don't need to do the dirty work of asking people for money so when you put yourself in that mode, it puts you in, in the humble mode to realize, I'm going to work for these people. I'm going to be the, uh, the person that works for them, not the other way around. And so doing the hard work, we've been able to raise money. Uh, and we, we started right from the beginning of the campaign. I said, I'm not going to take money from corporations. Our corporations have gone away from being uh, part of the Republican Party to being part of a globalist party. They have woke HR departments, woke marketing departments, 
woke CEOs that care more about virtue signaling than about actually doing things for America. And I don't want them to even think that they have an ally in D.C. and me. So uh, we've repudiated corporate PAC money. I, uh, Ted Cruz uh, signed on to that a month or so ago. And I'm hoping uh, that all Republican candidates take that same mantra. We're talking with Ohio Senate candidate Bernie Moreno. His website is berniemoreno.com. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, you know, because you, you just talked about where you came from, uh, from uh, Colombia. You also talked about, uh, uh, you know, Cuba, the Cuban people. And on your website, you say you came from a country surrounded by the soci- socialist ideology of radicals like Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. I've been talking a lot about them. Yesterday, I had... Um, uh, a gentleman on who is from Russia. He escaped Russia in 1989, became a citizen in 1995, and he is the most important voice. I told him, and I'm going to tell you the same thing now. Anybody who grew up or has survived socialist uh, regimes, communist regimes, are the most important people to listen to. Is is that you? Is that the biggest thing that you have to offer here to stop socialism in its tracks because you've seen it up close and personally? Absolutely, Bob, because what happens is, uh, as Americans, we just don't know any different, right? Because we've had the privilege of growing up in this amazing country. But let me tell you, when I was growing up in South Florida, I'd go back to Colombia all the time where I had family. And if you were a Colombian and you met a Venezuelan, the Venezuelan was the wealthy person. They were the educated, smart business owner. Venezuela was the shining star of South America. And over 20 years, that country went from top to bottom in a way that I've never seen. And again, like I said at the beginning, there's a playbook. The playbook is clear. They crush uh, the idea that you love your country, right? They crush free speech. They take away guns. They they vilify the police. They cheat on elections. Does any of that sound familiar? It's the playbook. It's what they do. Bernie, um... Also looking at your website, this is where I get a lot of information about people that I want to ask questions on. I want to ask you about President Trump. You write, or at least your team put put uh, on your website for you, Donald J. Trump had the most positive impact of any president since Ronald Reagan. He stood up to everyone who rigged the system against outsiders and fought for Americans every step of the way. He was attacked more than any other elected official and yet accomplished amazing achievements for the American people. We need to protect his victories. Uh, everybody in this race is is fighting for an endorsement from Donald Trump. Is it, uh, I asked J.D. Vance this very same question, does the eventual winner of this race need a Trump endorsement to win it? I think so. I think in in, uh, in Ohio, he's a very, very, very popular, rightfully so person. He did more for Ohio than any president before. You know, I grew up, uh, literally grew up uh, listening to Ronald Reagan, and uh, an amazing communicator. And you look at Donald Trump, an amazing fighter. I mean, look what he did in four years. And honestly, Bob, I didn't think he'd be the president he was. Uh, he turned out to be. In 2015, I supported Marco Rubio because obviously his story resonated with me. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think Trump would be a conservative. And, man, he blew all that uh, away for me and really did some amazing things on policy. Despite, I mean, I don't know about you, I can't name one politician who's gotten 100 of the attacks that he's gotten, and yet he plowed through and still accomplished uh, what he did, which is amazing. 
You know, I completely concur with that. I've never seen. I thought George Bush had the most difficult uh, presidency from you know the unfair treatment of the left and from the press, which is kind of one and the same. Uh, but George Bush was treated like a king compared to what Donald Trump went through. Uh, I'm looking again at the website, looking for America First or something about Trump policies, and uh, I want to I want to know: Are you America First? In addition to what you just said. Um, because, you know, J.D. Uh, Vance, as I'm sure you've read and heard, has taken a lot of heat for his past criticism of Trump uh, back in 2016 uh, and criticism of Trump supporters. He's been accused of lying directly to me on this program about some of the things he has said. So in fairness, I'm going to ask you about a difficult moment maybe for you. This uh, is an interview you did on WKYC.com uh, on their website, I guess. I don't know if this is on live TV or not, but um, I'm going to play this and ask you to respond to this, Bernie Moreno. Uh, Steve Online is asking about uh, your support of uh, the Trump campaign, President Trump. No, my daughter works on Trump 2020, uh, and uh, she's free to do that. Uh, we have a vigorous debate at home about politics. And my daughter works on the Trump campaign. That doesn't mean that I support the Trump campaign. Okay. So, Bernie, this is you know similar to what JD is having to answer to. I'm going to ask you to answer to that. Um, your daughter worked on the Trump campaign. You have vigorous debates on this with her at home. It doesn't mean you support the Trump campaign. Um, can you reconcile that with where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, if you take that uh, whole uh, clip in context, we we're talking about my kids, and I have four kids. Uh, two and a half of them at the time were conservative. Uh, now we're uh, happy to report that three and a half of them are conservative. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so we're making good progress. My daughter, Emily, uh, worked on the Rubio campaign. And when she did, uh, everybody called her Bernie's daughter because I was a big supporter of Marco Rubio. It made her nuts. Uh, and when <laughs> she went to work for the Trump campaign, she was actually recruited by them. Uh, she asked me not to ever uh, donate to the Trump campaign. She wanted to do it on her own. And she rose to the very, very top level of the organization and in the Trump circles, up until I started running for office, they called me Emily's dad. So she, uh, she mission accomplished for her, and she, she's very, very bright. But her and her siblings, who at the time maybe were a little liberal, uh, were, were uh, you know, vigorously debating uh, where Trump stood. But listen, I raised six figures for Donald Trump. I support his agenda. I think one of the things, lasting things that he'll have accomplished is moving the Republican Party away from a party that uh, was appeasers, that was the Chamber of Commerce party that cared only about tax breaks to a party that cares about the working class, that puts America first, about having Im- immigration that is tough uh, on illegal immigration to the point of zero, and, um, and energy independence, like I said, trade policies that make sense, deregulation. Uh, those are the things that matter. Uh, I think here in Ohio, my number one issue is we have to decouple our relationship with China uh, nobody was talking about that prior to Donald Trump run, uh, coming down the escalator. And he refocused this country on the threat from China, which uh, is our number one issue that we should be talking about. Uh, I don't disagree with that at all. That's extraordinarily important. Well, it's among the top issues uh, that we should be talking about when it comes to China. Uh, one more question on President Trump. Did Was the election stolen from him on November 3rd, Bernie Moreno? I mean, if, anybody who has ears and eyes, uh, will say the answer to that question is obvious. Uh, you look at the way big tech, the way media suppression polls that were being done. You know, remember, uh, even the day or two before the election, talking about how Donald Trump was going to lose by do- uh, double digits, that was all about voter suppression. The media knew those polls weren't true. The Hunter Biden laptop story, which is obviously uh, true today, 
the New York Post, who reported that, a tabloid, funny enough, right, uh, was uh, canceled and uh, censured by big tech and big media. And, of course, election laws were changed in the summer under the guise of COVID. I mean, it was absolutely the most unfair election uh, in my lifetime. And we have to get to the bottom of it because, Bob, nothing like that can ever happen in this country again. Well, you know, there are a lot of states that are fighting very hard to make sure that is the case. They're shoring up their election laws. They are uh, making sure that voter integrity is protected, making sure that it's harder to cheat and easier to vote. But yesterday, Joe Biden was in Philadelphia and said that these laws being passed by various red states are the 21st century version of Jim Crow. He said this is the worst assault on democracy since the Civil War. Um how do you respond to the Democrats trying to federalize the elections and trying to make it easier for people to uh, do what they did? As you said, I think they weaponized, this is my language, I think they weaponized COVID uh, to steal that election. And they're not going to have COVID in two years or, you know, in a year and a half for the midterms. They're not going to have COVID in 2024, yet they want the same COVID uh, rules in place where people don't have to go near one another and can uh, vote in all kinds of irregular ways. I mean, they, they are, uh, remember I said earlier that there's a socialist playbook? They yeah. play it perfectly, Bob. Part of the socialist playbook is massive fake propaganda. The idea that Joe Biden would have the gall to say that what we're talking about now with common sense election rules is Jim Crow 2.0 is just so disgustingly depraved, I don't even know what to say. Uh, he should talk in a state where it's harder to vote in Delaware then in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, and Ohio, right? So maybe he knows up close and personal what uh, Jim Crow laws are. Look at New York City's mayoral election. 145,000 ballots that were wrong, admittedly, right? But, of course, the media doesn't talk about that. They talk about how there's nothing to see in the 2020 election. You know, one of the things we have to do as conservatives is we have to understand that the left is probably going to cheat. That's what they know how to do. Uh, So what we have to do in 2022 is come out in such insane numbers, something that's never been seen in our lifetime. So even if they cheat by 4 or 5%, we, uh, who are the 80% of this country that love this country, love our police, love our military, know that we have uh, to decouple from China, we have to show up and we have the energy. When I travel the state, I see that. So I think we have a lot to be optimistic about. And just ignore the idiocy that's coming from the left. We're going to make Joe Biden a a one-term president. He'll be the worst president since Jimmy Carter probably makes Jimmy Carter look good. And uh, we'll get this country back. Bernie Moreno, Senate candidate again. Uh, his website is BernieMoreno.com. Uh, it's a pretty strong slogan about stopping socialism, ending cancel culture, and term limits. It's a great uh, pleasure to have you on the program, Bernie. Best of luck to you uh, in this uh, primary fight. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me again. Thank you so much for what you're doing, uh, uh, making this movement energized in Northeast Ohio. It really means a lot to uh, all of us who listen to your show. My pleasure. Thank you, Bernie. All right, 10.52, we'll take our final time out and come back in, yes, with opportunities for phone calls. Get in now, though, because it'll be a short segment. 216-901-0945, right after this. All right, uh, we've got time for a couple here before the top of the hour. A very, very packed show today, and I appreciate all of the guests, and I appreciate everybody listening. Let's go to uh, Daryl, who's been waiting in Avon to talk about this Senate race. Daryl, you're on the air. Go right ahead. 
Hey, Bob, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Certainly. Yeah, I was just calling because I was on this website called the Patriots Gazette or PatriotsGazette.com, and mm-hmm. they uh, y- you've been talking about it on this show already a little bit, um, about how J.D. Vance was on here, and you asked him about calling you know fellow deplorables like myself racist, um, and and he he it, it seemed like he lied, um, and I appreciate you for for asking that question and, and giving him the, the tough questions, and you know it's a shame that. It's a shame he couldn't have been more truthful. You know, we, we really, there's so many candidates and it's so confusing. Um, and, and I wish he would be more straightforward. He already seems like a politician to me. Well, I'll tell you what, Daryl, I spoke to him off the air last night. Actually, not speaking, we texted with one another, being fully honest and transparent. He texted me and said there's a lot more context to that than it seems like. Uh, he saw that story, he knows what he said to me, and he said the context is very important. So I offered him uh, an open invitation to come back in and explain it in better detail, what he said, what he meant, and why he said what he said in response to my question. And I'm very confident he'll do that. So uh, I always want to give people an opportunity to uh, to explain what they mean. Some of us, uh, and thank you for the call, Daryl. I appreciate it. Some of us, um, uh, you know, had a change of heart on on Donald Trump. Uh, maybe he had a t- change of heart on Donald Trump supporters as well. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to speak for him, but I will give him a chance to speak for himself again. John, oh, John Stover, Ohio Value Voters. We were speaking about you earlier today. Maybe you heard it. Hi, John. Go ahead. Yes. Hi, Bob. Uh, thank you for uh, taking my call. You know, I just wanted to. Uh touch base with you briefly here um you know you know we, we are not claiming that this was intentional by the uh pack representing jd vance uh the uh protect ohio values uh, but i would say this there's been a, a great amount of confusion that's been caused in the state of ohio relative to uh, the name they're using you know earlier this year jd vance used a uh, ohio values project to um, you know exploratory committee that he put together to determine whether he was going to run or not. And, uh, you know, J.D. called me earlier this year looking for Ohio Value Voters' potential endorsement. You know, just and I, at that time, I, I stated to him, I said, you know, and this would be another show in of itself as to why Ohio Value Voters has supported um, uh, Josh Mandel. But, you know... The way I think that we can resolve this... Is hey, hey, John, John, I apologize, but, uh, you know, the hard break is the hard break, or the hard out, rather. we got Mike uh, Gallagher waiting, so I want you to call me back tomorrow. We'll talk more about this. I just can't finish it right now. I appreciate Enjoy you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.